Welcome back, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 14 of The Nest. I'm Brianna Paliz, and I'll be your host for today. I'm here along with Paola Baez and Elizabeth Neda. Hello, my name is Paola Baez. I'm a junior, and I'm here today with the Vice President of Social Reform, representing not the entire black community, but here is a small form of representation for Black History Month. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Neda. Like Paula said, I'm the Vice President of Social Reform, and I'm very excited to be um, representing the club here today. Um, talking about issues that affect the black community. It's really, really um, important to address them. So, yeah. Yeah. so we're going to start off with the basic, a basic question. What does Black History Month mean to you? I think what it means to me and what it means to the black community are all very different things. Real quick, um, something that I just wanted to say, I guess it kind of relates to it, is that um, I'm not the whole like the holy grail of representation for the black community, especially here in Doral. Um, I think as a mixed woman, my rep- like my definition of Black History Month and how I see it is very different from, say, anybody who's fully black or anybody who's African-American as opposed to me who I'm like from the Caribbean. I think everyone's um, definitions and meanings are very different. I think when it comes down to Black History Month, it's important to spread awareness and to bring light the different cultures and traditions that black people take a part in because the black race spans so many ethnicities and nationalities there's so much culture so much history so much tradition to be taught that i think the education on slavery and mass genocides and things like that it's done in a classroom but where do you where do you where do you bring that in on a social stand on a standpoint on a social standpoint and i think that's an important part of black history month is just being able to bring in everything that's outside of the classroom and being able to show everyone that that black people are more than just what happened 400 years ago. They're more than just the pain and suffering that's been brought on to us. No, yeah, you know, according to this month's topic, they are much more than that because this month's topic is Black Health and Wellness. Every year they choose a new topic for Black History Month. And there's just so many doctors and scientists who were black and made so much advancements like this Jane C. Wright, who did many advancements for the study of cancer and chemotherapy. So that's something fun. And that's not taught in the classroom so much, you know, and that's kind of sad. But neither is black culture, and it really should. I think another big part of Black History Month is understanding, like, the black community specifically in your your community, like, where you live. So, like, in Doral, um, there's a lot of both African-Americans and Afro-Latinos, and there are specific struggles because of, like, the demographics of Miami and of even like Doral more specifically, um, there are issues that affect um, black people in Miami very differently than everywhere else. And I think that Black History Month is a time when like the community should kind of reflect on um, itself and see kind of specific to to us, like what we can do on a community level to um, to bring more awareness. Yeah, because, you know, I've noticed that We live in a primarily Hispanic community, you know, that's not a shocker. And, you know, sometimes Hispanics have that stigma where they can be a little bit into their own ethnicity and into their own superiority. So, as you mentioned, it's really important for them to be more acknowledging of other races and other cultures so we can all just co-live happily and not have that much violence. I mean, that'd be great, right? Yeah, and especially, like, also the intersectionality between, like, being black and being Hispanic um, is... Something that's also really important because, like, you can't really separate those identities from each other. Um, so, well, I think Paula can kind of talk more about this. But, like, when you are black and when you are Hispanic, um, 
there's like you live a different experience than someone who is white and Hispanic, even in the same community. I do like the intersectionality take being black and being Hispanic. There are definitely not things that you can separate, especially when the entire world will only see you as black, aside from whether the fact you speak Spanish. Like when you're a dark skin, say Dominican, a lot of people in America will only ever see you as a black man, black woman, black person before seeing you as a Hispanic person. They hear you speak Spanish and they think like, oh, they must have learned that. Um, so I think being able to separate, being able to separate the two identities is very difficult, specifically when your phenol, especially when your phenotype is much more different than what people are expecting of you. So I'm not, I'm not really sure. I think, I think there's just a lot more go- that goes into it because there's also, you know, Afro Latina men, Afro Afro. Oh, that's counter. That's counterintuitive. <laughs> there's Afro, there's Afro Latinos, Afro Latinas, and it's like you know. Uh, black hispanic woman black hispanic man everyone has their own struggles and each community finds their way to work around their struggles because there are multiple multiple systems that are that go against each one because it's like as a say a black trans woman and say you're also hispanic there's so many things that are now going against you in the system on a federal state or even on a social level there's so many people against you and in speaking out in speaking out about it spreading your story spreading your narrative talking about it bringing together communities you're able to you're able to spread a new narrative that isn't that, oh, black people are this, Hispanic people are this. You are now interconnecting different communities in order to create an, a newer and better narrative for everybody. Yeah, you're being stereotypes in a way. Stereo. Yeah. Kind of what Paula was talking about where um, when your identities kind of collide, there's a lot of systems that are against you, which I feel like goes back to the what we kind of mentioned earlier about the topic for this Black History Month being black health and wellness. Um, because in... Not only are there black people that have made great strides in scientific discoveries when it comes to health and wellness, but there's also kind of those systems that are working um, against the black community. So like Paula was talking about um, specifically like black trans women or black trans people in general, um, their health care that they're receiving, their quality of health care is very different than um, somebody who you know doesn't have those um, identities. Um, and that's also something really important to acknowledge and something that because um, we can talk about this kind of stuff and acknowledge and educate ourselves, which is really, really important, but also trying to figure out like how there can be systematic change um, and like tangible change, right? Um, when we kind of talk about those issues of like the healthcare system actively working against um, black people, black trans people, and all stuff like that, we can kind of figure out what do we need to demand from our legislators? What do we need to demand from our healthcare workers? And stuff like that so that we can make again, tangible strides. Yeah. So as we've mentioned, this year's topic is black health and wellness. So I wanted to kind of ask you guys, how is this prominent in society and over the course of history? Because I've heard many stories that just because of how black people in America they went through systematic oppression. So nowadays they do suffer more health issues mentally and sometimes physically and do not receive the same care. So how is this topic important? When it comes down to the black community and mental health, there's definitely a stigma around it. There's so much stigma. And to kind of to kind of bring it into like intersectionality when you're black and Hispanic, where the stigma is very high, where mental health is not believed in. And, you know, they think they, a lot of, our communities tend to make their own remedies when it comes to mental health or even physical health. That is, you know, we all, we all know, you know, Ponte Mento, yeah. whatever. That's <laughs> that's kind of, that's that's the normal for us. So it's like um, being able to change that 
comes over courses of generations being able to trust that the doctors that we have are are able to care for us when they're even provided because there's so many communities that are underfunded that don't even have proper hospitals that don't even have the proper medications for the people that they have or a lot of people that get turned away at hospitals you know unknowingly especially you know when they're when they're parts of other groups when they're transgender or when they're when they're anything else you know a lot of people that get turned away so there's there's the effects of underfunded communities or when you're part of a different identity or just people that that have so much stigma in their own communities and so much um the stigma that has gone down generations is so engraved into their brains that they don't understand the concept of mental health and they don't understand the concept of you know living not living a healthy lifestyle but maintaining a uh, a healthy you know lifestyle of go of being able to get yourself checked up um having having mental health check-ins you know going to therapy is very much okay and i think that's definitely a, a good start being able to properly fund under minority like predominantly minority populated communities which are the un which are the underfunded communities which don't have the proper resources for them to properly partake in black health and wellness yeah and um um <laughs> So um, I definitely do think that's really important, you know, like the funding of um, resources um, for. Uh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> you, you got this. <laughs> so I think that's really interesting to look on kind of a um, like a policy level. Like what can we what action can we demand for like so that we can see the results that we want to see. Right. And see the change that we want to see. Um, and not only does that like sort of social or cultural aspect go into like the um, internalization of um, this trauma, but I feel like also also how other communities kind of perceive you um, affects that a lot too. So um, this happens a lot with like Hispanic women and I've seen it happen with black women where they're kind of perceived as like super, angry and irrational and all of these things yeah they have those stereotypes yeah, yeah those stereotypes that surround them and then that affects like the way that they view their own mental health so i really do think that that kind of policy approach is really important to take you know how can um what are the problems that we can acknowledge that and like what's the change that can be made that we can demand right um and also like the cultural impacts of not only like the internalized generational trauma of your own community but also like how other communities perceive you so this happens a lot with hispanic women and i'm not black so i can't attest for this like firsthand but um i've seen happen to other black women where they're kind of um perceived as very irrational and angry um and they're a bunch of stereotypes fueling the way that they're like perceived in society and that sucks obviously um but that also kind of affects like the way that black women specifically go out and reach for um, mental health help or for physical health too. Um, sometimes a lot of the times they'll like Paola was saying, they'll be turned away because they think that they're being um, very exaggerated and dramatic and like, Oh, you know, that isn't real. I As guess if it's, yeah. like it's not a big deal, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but also like, you end up getting very much in your head like okay if i'm so rational and stuff then obviously these mental health struggles that i'm going through aren't important or valid and they really are um so i think that kind of like also bringing that into awareness um is really important for people to like kind of reflect you know this doesn't apply to me like i'm not just this stereotype that is being put on me and my emotions are definitely valid and 
I should seek help if I'm able to have it, which is where like the whole um, funding of these resources comes in, like make that accessible. So when people kind of come to that realization, you know, it's there for them. No, yeah, and I feel like here in America especially, we see health as covered. You know, health is something that we don't really have to worry about because we live in a 21st century advanced society. So we overlook how minorities are often treated in the healthcare system, just mainly because of the fact that the predominantly white communities are getting what they need, you know? So I feel like that's also a huge factor, just removing that whole assumption that health is covered, period, when really it isn't at all. And we've seen it over the years. So we have spoken about mental health and health awareness. And now I want to ask you guys if overall Black History Month is effective in promoting equality. Um, on an overall standpoint, I'm rather 50-50 on it. I have done, um, last year I was a part of the Firebird Digital team and I was one of their writers for their blog over the quarantine. And I actually, I wrote the Black History Month article last year. And I did a lot of research on the history of Black History Month, you know, how it started, um, who started it, why, and also a lot of controversies around it. You know, the fact that there were many um, white parents who were outraged by the idea of learning about history that wasn't whitewashed by their own people. It was um, it was definitely eye-opening because a lot of those behaviors, you see them now. You see, like, during the month of February, you see lots of parents trying to opt their children out of their history classes because they just don't want them to hear the truth. They don't want them to learn their history and part of learning part of learning US history is learning about the wrongs of the american people in those times there were definitely there were there were definitely the wrong people in power at certain points in history there were wrong things being done and taking that accountability now and making people uncomfortable is what is what prevents things like that from happening in the future make having those talks about slavery and about mass genocides and talking about black history is what keeps those negative things from happening again in the future so i think it is an effective way of properly educating people, but I think I don't think it's a cover. So I I'm not I'm not necessarily against the whole idea. I think it's a good way to spread awareness, but I think it brings light to. I think it almost like allows for so much for a rise in prejudice behavior. Like I I was reading up um, a few days ago that on February first, which was last Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, um, there were bomb threats going. Um, there were bomb threats to multiple HBCUs around the country, t- mainly to like Howard University, which is one of the biggest HBCUs in the country. They received an oh, mass and HBCs are historically black communities or universities, just in case nobody knew. Oh yeah, true, true. No, yeah, there were there was an a mass of bomb threats made towards HBCUs at the start of February, and it was, I mean, not to make any assumptions, but it's predominantly correlated with hate crimes and you know with white supremacy, and these are the kinds of things that just make me think you know, there isn't much that we can do about those sorts of people because those sorts of people are always just spreading hate. I don't think that Black History Month is a cover, but I also don't think it's a, it's, um, um, I don't think it's specifically a method to promote equality. I think it's a, I don't think it should be this huge social movement. I don't think it should be the start of social justice. I think it is well correlated, but I think it is a time predominantly to appreciate kind of in the way that we celebrate Hispanic heritage. We don't spend the entire month talking about all the all the pillaging that happened like say in the Caribbean to you know to you know Cuba, República Dominicana. We don't talk we don't talk about those things. We celebrate all of our cultures and how interconnected we are as Hispanic countries. And I think that is something that we should that we shouldn't 
closely relate also with Black History Month, talking about all the different cultures and traditions that we have as interconnected ethnicities and nationalities because the black race doesn't just mean African-American. That applies to, you know, people from Africa, people in the Caribbean, people in South America, say in Brazil. It applies to so many different people that I think Black History Month shouldn't just be a time for education, it should be a time for appreciation. Yeah, and that's an amazing way to end today's podcast. Thank you. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Firebirds. Make sure to check out Doral Academy's Prep social media at Doral Academy Preparatory on Instagram and at Doral Academy on TikTok. You guys can also check out our blog at thefbdigitals.com and we hope to catch you next week on the next. Thank you guys so much for joining me today and I really hope you enjoyed speaking about it today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it.